0: Morpheus's Angels A Sandman and Good Omen's crossover pot fic, written by Star of the Endless and read by Literarian. Chapter 2 To the Rescue Hop is sitting in the White Horse Tavern with a beer and one of his journals, and while he usually enjoys company quite a bit, it's nice to have a little time for himself. He flips the pages and lands, not for the first time, on a specific page about a meeting he had with another immortal. Hop doesn't even need to read it. He knows every word by heart, especially the ones he's said all the words that made his stranger leave and that he so easily could have kept to himself. Hop truly believed they were friends, that they both changed because of it, and if he was honest, for the better. It's just that he could have used more flattering words when saying that to his stranger. Alas, it doesn't help to dwell on it. All he can do now is keep going until it's time to meet his stranger again. With a sigh, Hob closes the journal, and if he didn't take so much time thinking about his stranger, he could have gone home and continued with his life. It wouldn't be much of a story then, though, and especially not a good one. No, good stories have twists. That's why, when Hob closes the journal, he spots a familiar guy standing next to his table with a forced smile on his face. Robert, he says, with a tone as if he just bit into a lemon. Aziraphale, Hob says, his smile way more honest. What a nice surprise. Come on, sit down. You want something to eat? I don't think we're going to stay long enough for that, another familiar voice says. Hop seldom gets surprised these days, since he's seen it all, but now he's right out baffled. Crowley? Gadling. Crowley huffs, stepping up next to Aziraphale as if he's the angel's shadow. I haven't seen you since... Hop begins, but doesn't finish the sentence. His memory isn't the best for this particular day. He remembers drinking, quite interesting discussions, and then a huge black hole. Even his journal can't tell him much more. There's only one other thing he recalls. He woke up with a weird taste in his mouth, one that he never tasted before or ever again since. Since? Raphael asks. Crowley shakes his head and Hob shrugs. It was a whole thing. Anyway. How do you two know each other? Oh, we go way back, Crowley says. Must have been... He turns to Aziraphale, who looks like he's doing the moths in his head. Oh, yes, the garden. Time really does fly, doesn't it? Hop looks back and forth between the two of them letting the fact that they're an angel and her demon take up the appropriate space in his head. The garden? Of Eden? Kind of a boring place, really. Crowley shrugs, but Aziraphale smiles. But so pretty. Before he loses his goddamn, excuse him, mind... Hop gestures to the empty chairs at his table. Care to sit down? While Crowley and tazirafel do just that, Hop waves someone over to order drinks. He asks for wine, knowing the tastes of his unlikely companions, and maybe he needs a glass or two of it for himself. So why are you both here to see me of all people? We have a task for you, Raphael says, as if he's bestowing a huge honour on Hob, one that Hob gladly refuses. No, thank you. No? Told you. Crowley says in a little sing-song, and Raphael gives him an exhausted look before turning to Hob. What do you mean, no? It's important. Look, I've been a mercenary many times. Currently, I don't feel like doing that anymore. Well, you wouldn't. Aziraphale smiles. We wouldn't pay you. Hop knows that Aziraphale sometimes flies in another sphere, probably quite literally, but that's much more likely an angel thing, one he can't change. So he won't hold that against him. You want me to do something for you and give me nothing in return? He asks nonetheless. He's right, you know, Crowley says. It's not much of a sales pitch. Azir Raphael looks heartbroken, and for a second he reminds Hub of his stranger. But that's what friends do, don't they? Friends help each other without a necessary quid pro quo. The words hit Hop deep. He's rarely even seen Raphael since their first meeting, and whenever he did, they ended up arguing. Still, the angel is sitting there with hurt in his eyes, believing that he's been wronged by a friend. Coming from Crowley, Hob would have told himself that he was trying to play him, but Aziraphale wouldn't do that. He probably can't. All right, fine, Hob says. I'll help you as a friend. Aziraphale beams at him, and for the first time, Hop feels like he's looking at an angel. For a second, Hop can imagine a glimmer of wings around him. Of course, we'll go with you, Aziraphale says, ignoring Crowley's we do in the background. And where do we go? Forney Rig in Sussex. We've heard that Roderick Burgess keeps someone like us trapped in his basement. Like you? Hob asks. Some people call it the devil, Crowley says. I know for a fact that it isn't. Some entity, though. That's why we can't go in there, Raphael explains. If this man can trap us, it's way too dangerous, but he has nothing he could do to you. Hop looks back and forth between Crowley and Aziraphale, wondering how aware the two of them really are when it comes to the human world. I heard about that bajess guy too. I don't really feel like going into his basement, Hop says. And it's a huge mansion. With guards. So, you can't die, right? Crowley asks. But I could get hurt or captured, Hop says, the words twisting his heart when he thinks about his stranger. That's, you know, I guess, Crowley says, exchanging a look with Aziraphale until he finally finds his words. We just need to have a look around first. I might have something that will help. Something like what? Hob asks. He can't count the times when someone promised him that a plan can't fail, usually minutes before it all goes to shit. Crowley waves his hand. A way to look inside. Don't worry. Hop can't believe he's sitting in an inn with a demon and an angel, letting himself get talked into a terrible idea. There's just something about it that makes him tingly all over. Maybe he's bored, maybe the idea of someone having to live their life in endless captivity bothers him, or maybe he just really enjoys the idea of helping friends. In any case, he's stupid enough to say yes. That's how Hop ends up in the back seat of a black Bentley with Crowley in the driver's seat, and Aziraphale only getting in after Crowley promises not to drive like a lunatic. That particular promise has value for about five minutes. The second they leave the city behind, Crowley floors it, and although Hop knows all too well that cars can only go so fast, that fact doesn't apply to Crowley's car. This is a curvy street and there are trees everywhere, Aziraphale complains. You promise. I've been driving cars ever since they were invented. I know what I'm doing, Crowley says, his voice telling that this isn't the first time they're having this argument. And nobody in this car can actually die. But the paperwork, I hate being discorporated, Aziraphale whines. Hob leans forward, maybe as a reminder that he's still there as well. And I prefer to stay alive. My death might not be permanent, but it still hurts like hell. Hurts like hell, Crowley says in a mocking tone. Have you ever been to hell? Have you ever died? Hob shoots back, and there's a heavy silence in the car until Rafael clears his throat. "'Ahem. How about some music, Crowley? "'Usually we listen to music while driving.' Hop scoffs. "'Sure, music in the car.' "'You're right, Angel,' Crowley says, "'looking over his shoulder as if he wants to make sure "'that Hop sees what he's doing. "'My treat.' "'Notes of actual music fill the air,' And while Hob looks around to find out where the devil they come from, Aziraphale gives Crowley a beaming smile. It's so vibrant that Hob gets caught in it just as much as Crowley. It even makes Crowley smile back for a moment. It's then that two things happen at the same time, one in Hob's mind and one in his heart. In his mind, Hop understands why both Crowley and Aziraphale showed up to give him his task. They might both be following orders, but there's more to it. They're here for each other. They're friends. Maybe even more than that. Somebody who could make me be true could make me feel blue, and even be glad just to be sad thinking of you. In Hop's heart, the longing that has festered there for years claws at his insides. If a literal angel and a demon from hell can be friends, then why was his stranger so appalled at the mere thought of them being just that? What could be so different about him? And how little does he think of Hob? Some others I've seen might never be mean, might never be cross or try to be boss, but they wouldn't do. For nobody else gave me a thrill. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you, it had to be you. Hop wishes he could stop listening, but the music is all around them. When the song is over, another one comes on that Aziraphale enjoys quite visibly, and Crowley looks way more than just smug. It's as if he's playing a whole concert just for his angel. For the rest of the drive, Hop tries not to even look at them. They might be bickering, as some married couples do, but to anybody with half a brain, it's obvious how much they care about each other. It's something that Hop hasn't felt since he lost his Eleanor. What he feels now is probably the reason why he never tried to find someone else. It's one thing to find intimacy and connection with someone you might never see again. It's something so different to let someone be part of your life. Maybe Hop tricked himself into thinking that his stranger could fulfill those needs and still stick around. Hob knows loss, but even with an endless supply of time, it never gets easier. Hob knew that his stranger wouldn't die. He never thought he could just lose him. Robert? Aziraphale's voice barely reaches Hob, but then he notices that the music has stopped. They're parking between a few berry-laden bushes, Burgess's mansion visible in the distance. We're here, and it's actually rather dreamy, don't you think? With all the trees and flowers. Looks like a nightmare to me, Crowley says, and they both look back to Hob as if he's the tiebreaker. I wouldn't mind living in a place like that, he says. Well, maybe without the entity in the basement. Crowley shrugs, as if that's a good point, and Raphael keeps looking around for more beautiful things to enjoy. Hob clears his throat, trying to get them back on track, rather than keep thinking about his stranger. All right, what's the plan? he asks, turning to Crowley. What did you bring? In the back, Crowley says, and they all get out of the car, heading to the trunk. Crowley opens it, and Haziraphale and Hob lean in to take a look. Hob turns to Crowley, rubbing his own neck to keep himself from putting his hands around the demon's throat. That's a stick. Please tell me that this is not the thing you promised me. It's not just a stick, Crowley says. It's old, from some spiritually important shepherd. How old? Somebody walked behind Jesus with it old, Crowley spits, pointing at Aziraphale. You have to take it. I'd probably burst into flames. But it's a stick. Aziraphale says in a careful tone, making Crowley roll his eyes. It's from a shepherd. What else would it be? A flaming sword? I'd take one of those if you have it, Hob says, still debating in his mind what to do with the demon. Oh, me too. Aziraphale smiles. Crowley huffs. Oh yeah, so you can give it away again? Would you let that rest, Aziraphale says, his voice higher than usual. I'm still worried God might circle back to that. Hob's mind begins to race again. He has to stop this before his two newfound friends drive him crazy. What are we supposed to do with this? I have it on good authority that it can do some damage, but only in the right hands, Crowley says, nodding to Aziraphale. Fine, I'll take it. Aziraphale grabs the stick and lifts it out of the trunk. Hob and Crowley both stare at him in anticipation and a smile grows on Aziraphale's face. He stomps the ground with the stick and giggles in delight. (laughs) Oh, this does feel wonderful, like love and community. I want to connect something, bring them together. Bring who together? Hob asks. Aziraphale still smiles like a madman. I have no idea. Let me see. He walks away from the car, watching the ground. When he finds a spot where no grass is growing, he draws half of any lips into the dirt before waving Hob over. Here, do the other half, he says, holding out the stick to Hob. Hob and Crowley share a look, but Crowley only shrugs, so Hob takes the stick and does as Aziraphale says. A second later, he drops the stick and takes a step back. A sort of mist is swirling inside the ellipse, making it look like a portal to another world. Told you it will help, Crowley says, before leaning over the ellipse. Show us the mansion up close. The mist swirls around, and then floats to the sides, giving them a close-up view of the house. Hob can see a car up front and two guys standing by the entrance having a smoke. Show us the entity in the basement, Raphael says, and the mist swirls around before showing another view. What is that? Hob asks, leaning in closer. The room they see is dark but illuminated by a white glow, a huge glass orb seemingly floating in the middle of the room. Is it in there? Crowley asks. Hob takes a closer look and falls to his knees. It can't be. A person is sitting inside the glass orb, naked, head held low, but so familiar that it hurts. Hob reaches out, putting his hand into the mist, but there's only dirt under it. Fuck! Hob jumps to his feet and wants to take off, but Crowley grabs his arm. Hey, stay here! Let me go! Hob shouts, struggling to get free, but while Crowley looks as if a simple gust of wind could blow him away, he's absurdly strong. Aziraphale steps into Hob's way as well. Robert, what is it? Do you know who it is? I have to get him out of there! Hob groans, still trying to get free. I'm not letting you storm in there like an idiot. Crowley says, not even pretending to struggle against Hob. So shut it. Talk to us, then we can think about a plan, Rafael says, and even in his fury, Hob has to admit that he can't just storm into the mansion with nothing but anguish. He's my friend, Hob finally says, and Crowley lets him go. What is he? he asks. Sadness burns in Hobb's chest, thinking about what to say. He doesn't really know much about his stranger after all. I know he's immortal. We've met every 100 years in the same place since 1389. Rafael gives him a knowing look, remembering their first meeting. Who is he? He never gave me his name. You've met a couple of times. You talked. You have to know something, Crowley says. Well, he's always dressed in black, and where's this huge red ruby? Hob says, trying not to think about his stranger's tantalizing voice, his pink lips or the barely-there smiles, Hob is always so desperate to get out of him. One time he blew sand into a woman's face and she seemed to go into a sort of trance. A red ruby, Crowley says, looking over to Aziraphale. And the sand, Aziraphale says. Then he claps a hand over his mouth and whispers, The sleepy sickness. We're out of here then, Crowley says, walking over to the car door, but Hob blocks his way. Wait, you know who he is? Tell me. Above my pay grade is what he is. Crowley growls. Now move. Crowley, Aziraphale says, his tone that of a disappointed mother. Come on, Angel, an endless. We report back to head office and we're done. We don't have to go in there. Hob turns to Aziraphale, ready to beg on his knees. Aziraphale, please. The angel sighs. (sighs) He has a whole list of names. I think these days they call him Lord Morpheus or Dream of the Endless. Lord? Dream? Pictures of his stranger rush through Hob's mind, and it seems so obvious now. He has to be some sort of royalty. What is he, then? He's the king of dreams and nightmares, and the ruler of the dreaming, the place where humans go when they sleep, Aziraphale explains. He's the anthropomorphic personification of the collective subconsciousness of the universe. If he messes up... Aziraphale makes a face Hob has never seen before. Upset would be an understatement. Then what? Poof, Crowley says, mimicking an explosion with his hands. Universe, gone. Hob has seen unspeakable things in his life. He has memories that haunt him, that he needs to keep at bay so he can just move on. He always managed somehow. Until now. At this moment, Hop isn't sure if his human mind can fathom what these beings are trying to tell him. His stranger is much older than anything Hop can truly comprehend. He's powerful beyond measure, his existence and function are vital to the entire world and all of humanity. A demon was ready to take off just because he heard about him being nearby. And then there's Hob. An idiot who knows nothing about anything, not even when to shut up. No wonder his stranger just left. One such as he clearly doesn't need Hob's companionship. Now it makes sense. Aziraphale says. Heaven likes order, and when the Lord of Dreams can't take care of people's sleep, then there will be chaos. And not can't tempt people into sinning while they're asleep, Crowley says. Still, can we please go? Hop steps to the ellipse and falls to his knees. Show me his face. There he is, his stranger. His face is the same, like a sculpture chiseled out of marble, just his hair is a little different. Lord Morpheus. Grim. Finally, Hob has a name, and it couldn't be more fitting. Hob remembers every second of their meetings. How Dream walked up to him for the first time, how it gave Hop chills when he said his name in that menace of a voice. And then, without fault, Dream came to him every hundred years. No matter how insignificant Hop might be, Dream found a reason for meeting with him. It has to mean something. I will go in there, and I will get him out, Hob says, getting up. I have to, and I won't have him suffer in there for another second. Great, and we'll be right here, Aziraphale says, stepping up to the ellipse. And keep watch. Sure you don't have a flaming sword somewhere, Hob says, making Crowley roll his eyes. I always knew you were a madman, but this is more stupid than anything you've ever done. Crowley huffs. Still, he shuts the trunk of his car, snaps his fingers and opens it again. Here, my treat. The trunk is filled with handguns, rifles, ammunition, a crossbow, hand grenades, knives and weapons that Hop might have fought with in the past, but hundreds of years ago. You had that, and you gave us a stick, Hop asks. It worked, didn't it? Crowley asks, and Hop wishes he could argue with him. Instead, he arms himself to the teeth before returning to the Ellipse. He asks to see the outside of the manor and the rooms inside, trying to come up with a plan. Then he turns to his friends. All right, have the car ready for a quick escape. You won't have to ask me twice, Crowley says, and Raphael gives Hob a thumbs up. We'll pray for your safe return. With a last look at Dream, Hop takes off to sneak into the manor. Aziraphale and Crowley watch as he takes out the guards at the front and then makes his way inside. Gotta hand it to him, Crowley says. He knows what he's doing. If only it wouldn't be so violent, Aziraphale says, his eyes always on the ellipse. Oh, that must have hurt. Nice one, Gadling. Wow, that's a lot of blood. Careful, behind you. Oh, good, he saw him. They keep watching while Harp fights his way into the basement. He steps into the room where the dream lord is imprisoned and walks right up to the glass. The being inside looks up his eyes widening. He puts his flat hand against the glass from the inside while Hob does the same from the outside. Time to get you out of here, Hob says, but then Dream screams. No! The one word booms so loudly it should be able to shatter the glass. Instead, Hob falls to the ground. No, Fell whispers as a man comes into view behind Hobb. That's him, that's Roderick Burgess. So you can speak, Burgess says, dropping a knife to the floor. I guess you and your friends can have great conversations while you both rot in here. Unless you want to give me now what should have been mine all along. Grim doesn't answer. He doesn't even move. At least that's what Burgess must see. Raphael and Crowley comprehend much more than human eyes. There's darkness inside the orb, taking and losing shape, Colours vibrant as northern lights, sparkling like a million stars, and then flames, bright and seething, worthy of hell. Someone's angry, Crowley says, and Aziraphale walks around the ellipse like a startled chicken. We have to help them. Why? Aziraphale stops and looks at Crowley, not with his usual exhaustion or amusement about the demon's ways, but with actual disappointment. First Hob, and now the Dreamlord, don't tell me you don't see it. No, don't say it, please. They're clearly in love. And you said it. Raphael grabs the shepherd's stick. I will go in there and I will do whatever it takes to help them. Oh, come, Moffat Angel, Crowley grunts. You can't hurt a fly, and that Perges guy seems to know a lot. No idea what he did to that knife, but he sure got Robert with it. Well, that doesn't matter, Raphael insists. He looks close to tears now. Doing nothing is just not right. He storms off, and of course Crowley follows him, trying to reason with him all along the way. Not that it'll do anything. Aziraphale might not be capable of hurting anybody, but that doesn't keep him from wanting to help. They walk through the mayhem that Hop left behind on his way in, and soon they make their way down into the basement. Burgess is still there, hammering against the glass orb with his cane. Talk to me! I know you can! Talk to me! Dream doesn't answer, his eyes teary as he looks down at Hob, who still hasn't gotten up. As Aziraphale and Crowley step into the room, Burgess swirls around. Look at that, he snarls. All this time you've been quiet, Dream Lord, and now you keep sending these creatures here. Excuse me. Aziraphale says. I'm not a creature. I'm an angel and he's a demon. Don't tell him that. Crowley whines in annoyance, but Aziraphale keeps going. And we're here to bring an end to your foul practices. I demand that you let the Lord of Dreams go at once. Burgess laughs before turning to Crowley. A demon, huh? Well, how about a little exorcism for you? He follows the words up by mumbling something under his breath, and Crowley puts his hand over his ears. No, shut it! Damn, that hurts! Burgess takes a step closer, his voice growing louder, and Crowley keels over, now clearly in pain. Oh no, you don't! Aziraphale screeches and swings the shepherd's stick. It hits Burgess's forehead with full force. He stumbles back, hitting his head against the glass orb, and falls to the ground. God damn, Angel! Crowley says, before putting a hand over his mouth as if he just ate something disgusting. You knocked him flat out. Oh no, I'm so sorry, Aziraphale says, leaning over Burgess. Is he dead? Nah, I don't think so. I would have seen his soul head south, Crowley says with a shrug. You take care of Robert, and I'll get the endless, and then we'll better get out of here. Azir Raphael crouches down next to Hob. There's poison in his blood, infused with magic. He's neither dead nor alive, and unable to do anything. With a little effort, Azir Raphael is able to suck the poison out of him the magic then evaporating on its own. Meanwhile, Crowley steps up to the glass orb. He struts right through the chalk on the floor, rendering the rune circle useless. Then he rounds the orb. All right, shouldn't be too difficult, he says, snapping his fingers. A huge hole appears at the front of the orb, and Crowley indicates a little bow. He might be a demon, but he's not a complete idiot. There you go, sire. Raphael helps Hob to his feet. They watch as Grim reaches up, and in a swift movement he swings himself through the hole and lands softly on his feet like a cat. Give him this fell whispers, pushing a dark coat into Hobb's hand. "'Then he steps up to dream. "'Lord Morpheus, I am Fell, and this is Crowley. "'We've been asked to investigate Burgess's prisoner, "'and when we found that it was you, "'your friend Robert here didn't hesitate for a second to come to your rescue.' It is his courage and empathy that let us free you in the end. Hob hurries over to Dream to put the coat around his shoulders. He has no idea where Aziraphale got it, but it's made of the smoothest fabric that Hob has ever held in his hands, and as soon as it touches Dream, it seems to cling to him. Dream nods at Hob before turning to Aziraphale. I thank you both, and I can assure you that I will never forget your kindness in this matter. It was nothing, really, Crowley says. <laughs> Somehow, he moved closer to the door, and Aziraphale smiles at Grimm before taking his place next to Crowley. We'll be outside then, in case you still need us. They leave, and Hop prays for the ground to open up and swallow him whole. Instead, Dream takes a step closer. His feet are still bare on the stone floor, and Hop wonders if he can even feel the cold. Hob's eyes wander upwards, where Dream's legs are barely covered by the fabric. It holds together around his middle, but then it leaves Dream's chest bare again, the coat almost falling from his shoulders. You know who I am now, Dream finally says, and Hob almost shudders. Dream's voice always sent a shiver up his spine, but now it has more weight, more power, his words meaningful and set in stone. I guess I do, Hop says, his eyes back on the ground. Or maybe I know even less than before. I'm only human, after all. Graham lifts Hop's chin with a soft touch, making him look at him. I've been imprisoned here for decades, and no god, creature, or power of any kind even tried to free me. It's your humanity that saved me, and I thank you. nods. The real reason he saved Dream burns deep inside of him. It makes his heart sing at the touch, his lungs burn from the closeness to dream, and his eyes water with tears of joy. Still, he'll never be able to say it out loud, especially now that he knows dream for who he truly is. What are you going to do now? Hob asks instead. I will have my revenge, Dream says, his eyes flickering to Burgess on the ground. And then I will have to go back to my realm. I can feel the damage my absence has done to the waking world. I can only imagine how much it hurt the dreaming. I think I saw your ruby on my way down here. Bob says, if that helps. Really? Grim asks, longing in his eyes. What about my sand and my helmet? There's a bunch of stuff in a glass case, so yeah, maybe. Show me. They head upstairs, and Dream takes the ruby into his hands, just holding it for a moment before putting the chain around his neck. The ruby glows, clinging to his skin like the coat. Then Dream takes the pouch of sand and lets it disappear under the dark fabric, although Hob has no idea how it manages to stay there. At last, he reaches for his helmet. It's an odd-looking thing, but Dream cradles it like a newborn baby. Thank you, Hob, he says. I wish I could stay longer, but I'm sure there's much that I will have to repair, both for my people and yours. Sure, I understand. I will see you as soon as I can. A hundred years, then, Hob jokes, although he wouldn't mind an exact number. Grimm gives him the hint of a smile, making Hobb's heart sore. I think it would be impolite to keep a friend waiting for that long. He puts on the helmet and takes out the pouch. A stream of sand floats out of it and surrounds him. When it disappears, Dream is gone as well. Hop takes a deep breath and lets it out as a sigh. All things considered, things could be worse. He's still alive, Dream is free, and they'll meet again as friends. Hoping that Aziraphale and Crowley haven't just left him there, Hob makes his way to the door, but when he reaches for it, horrible sounds come out of the basement. Burgess shouts and pleads until he lets out a horrible scream. Hob remembers what Aziraphale said about his stranger. He is the king of dreams, and nightmares. It seems like Dream just got his revenge, and Hop smiles.